too cold. <laughs> I'll get it right one time. I just keep trying. <laughs> In the midst of all this, I am more than delighted to say I'm happy to be here at Lakeport again tonight. Since I heard that I was coming, well, I've looked forward to this time. Small city, way back here in the mountains, but some of the nicest people I ever met in my life. Just good what I call right-down-to-earth people. And to have fellowship like that with such people makes you feel real good. The um, brother folks was just telling me uh, last evening when I come in, my, I was first motel I came to, uh, I thought this is the place I'm to stay in, so I went in, sure enough it was, and I signed a little card there that I'd be staying there, and <clears throat> when I got up this morning, I thought, well, I'd better go down and see what this place is worth. <clears throat> when I heard what it was worth, <laughs> I'd change places right now. <laughs> and Brother Forks just told me, said, but we want you to be comfortable. I said, brother, with a price like that, I'd rather camp out under a cedar tree out here. Yes, sir. I, no matter if the church is people are willing to pay it, it's not Christian that, to do such things as that. No, sir, I'd rather have a little place that's just, just clean and that's all necessary and take something to the church has to pay, something like that. No. I, I, I don't like that as a Christian businessman, rather. I want to greet them and say I'm certainly happy that, thankful that, uh, the Lord has given me favor with them if they had invited me back. This is kind of a little coincidence, I suppose. I'm supposed to be in Germany now. And I found uh, it difficult. I couldn't get away to go overseas, so I had to take this month and next for the services. And I just come out here to visit you fine people here. To pray for the sick and to minister and see if I can get someone to accept our lovely Lord Jesus. Just had a vision or something happened to me a few weeks ago. Maybe a little later in the service I can tell you about it. And I've never felt the same and I'll never feel the same about it anymore. I'm, I hope I'm not acting as a fanatic, but I'm sure that I saw heaven. And I, I never want to miss that. And I want to get every soul that I can to go there. I, I've always, there's a little fear of what would happen to me between the time I died and then Jesus coming. I always thought it had a spirit body. I never liked anything spooky like that. I just can't stand that. So it always scared me. But the other morning at my home, something happened. My wife there and my children and all. And I went not very far, just a little ways away. And I've seen literally millions that I preached to, all young and healthy and never to die. And they put their arms around me. And I look back and see myself laying on the bed. And I... I thought, is this, it was just perfect, it's just something, uh, well, I know that I had to come back, I was very sorry, I said, surely I don't have to leave now, and people that I know have been saved as much as being around 90 years old before they were saved, they were young and beautiful and calling me their brother, uh, if that's it, I, I'm ready to go anytime, it's, uh, no weary, but then I realized what the Bible meant when it said, if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting. If you believe me to be his servant, friends, that's the truth. Everywhere it was, I do not know whether it was in this flesh or whether it was out of it. I don't mean to be impersonating the great St. Paul. But wherever it is, may God grant that every one of you will be there. It's, it's nothing I've never seen or 
had any beads or anything like that. It just changed my life. And a young, beautiful woman standing there just greeted me and called me her precious brother. I said, I don't understand this. said, she was past 90 when you led her to Christ. said, she'll never be old no more. She'll never be, never have to die, never be sick. So that's the reason she said, precious brother. Oh, if I could just only remain there forever. Just, it is no yesterday, no tomorrow. You're, you're just there. And no, no sin, nothing can happen simply. There's nothing could be sin. And everything was perfect love. If I would try to say it was perfection, that wouldn't meet it. Sublime, that wouldn't meet it. I just don't know, have any words that I know in the English dialect to, to express what the place was. I've never seen or heard or thought anything like it. Now, it perhaps was a vision. I never had a vision like that. Out of the hundreds of thousands of visions that I've had, I never had anything like that. Because I was standing in a place here and would look back and see my body laying there on the bed. By the side of my wife, it was long, nine or ten, eight or nine o'clock in the morning, and I'd look back and see it, and I'd pass from something, and I thought I'd died, and just far enough away I could see it. Looking at this platform, to some of my friends this year, one of the deacons of our church, or trustees of the brother Stoss and them, that picture that was taken was taken right there at this platform the last time I was there. How many has ever seen it? You mean, not, uh, just a few, just the people right from home. Oh, it's one of the outstanding ones. The same angel of the Lord has been taken all over Germany at work, was taken, standing right there at this pulpit. I happen to notice these flowers here. There was something like it sitting in front here. And the man taking the picture from this side, and there it was, just as perfect our Lord as it could be. And so we're so glad to be back in this little place again tonight. Now, I am not wanting to keep you too long because I know it's hot out there. And I don't want to keep you long, so it'll wear you out. And yet, I'm thinking that maybe, the Lord willing, this is a time that there is a new ministry coming ahead for me. And I perhaps, I hope that it will start here. However, I'm going to try with all my heart to pray for the sick the way he told me to in this meeting. Has anybody here that's never been in one of my meetings before? Let's see your hands. Never been... Oh, my. I've changed my text. <laughs> There's so many here that's never been in my, in my meetings before, never have been. Well, then I I'll better go back to the old ministry tonight and then have uh, the new ministry start tomorrow evening. The little books in here, kind of, the boys has got explains that if you could get one and if you have... I think they sell them right reasonable. They're printed by the Voice of Healing, and then we take them and bring them out to the people, buy them at 40 cents less on the book, 40% less. And then we have the handling charges besides that. We pay for them being sold and carried and expressed and expense. We always lose on a book. Then we always say this, that if anybody wants one and hasn't got the money, I'll ask the boys, let them have it anyhow, give it to them. If you, ever, if you get it and read it, it's not worth the 50 cents or what you pay for it. I'll forget just what it is then. Or you uh, just send it back, get your money back. Or keep it and tell them it wasn't good, so then we'll give you money back anyhow. It's just some way we don't have nothing to sell to, that, to make money. The boys sell the tape, and they're just as cheap as they can be. I, or I'll let them do it. I'll check with another evangelist. 
He was getting $9 a tape. He, was, he charged me for them. And then um, these boys, I think it's $2 or something like that, they sell them for on the very best of tape. There is guaranteed too. If it's no good, but you don't have to pay for it. The messages, 500 and something different messages, preaching different part of the country. If I'm not mistaken, my look at Jack Palmer all the way down in the south. Brother Jack, what are you doing way up here? You <laughs> he wasn't in the last meeting, was you? My my, that man from way down in southern Georgia. I think we already say praise the Lord. No. Is, is it this hot down in Georgia? <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> Just a little more humidity in the air is all. Well, these California people don't mind it. They're used to it. <laughs> now, how many in here Christians, let's see your hands, that love the Lord? Oh, look at there. I believe 100%. So happy for that. Now, if I'll have a scripture reading and talk a little tonight, then I'll, I'll call a prayer line and we'll pray for them the way we used to. Then maybe tomorrow night we'll start on the other ministry. Now, if the Lord is willing, I want to pray. If you'll just hold with me, I'll pray for every person that comes here that wants to be prayed for. Every person. We won't leave one out. See, we'll pray for everyone. What we try to do, divine healing does not mean that some great power that someone has to heal someone, but it's a faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we can believe that he is not dead but living, and the theme of our campaigns is always Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you Christians believe that? He's the same yesterday. Thank you. That means you're real Christians when you believe that. Now, he is not dead, but he's a living. I've been around the world and all kinds of places and under all kinds of circumstances. All kinds of religions. I was entertained recently by 17 different religions, and every one of them denied Christianity. And yet, in the midst of 500,000 people I was speaking to at Bombay, the Lord Jesus Christ and Christianity triumphed over every one of them, whatever witch doctor and holy man and everything else to shame. And there's no way of telling how many came to the Lord Jesus. We had no cooperation amongst the churches, and Dropped in for three days, and there was no way of telling how many were saved. Now, we'll just bow our heads now and approach God and the Word. Now, we're going to remember that the, everything that we do as God and teach must be based upon this Bible recognized from Genesis to Revelation. Our Heavenly Father, we are happy tonight to be Christians. I just don't know what I could do if I wasn't a Christian. I am so glad that you saved me. And the other day, whatever it was that happened to me, and I saw that great result when the one that was speaking to me said, This is your convert from your, your, the fruit of your ministry. How my heart leaped, and I thought, Oh God, if I could live it over again, I would try to do twice as much. I would persuade and beg with all that's in me to get people to come to thee. Now, Father, here tonight is another opportunity. The purchase of your blood sets here before me. And help me, Father God, as your servant. I don't know what to do or how to do it. I'm just depending hour by hour on you leading me. 
And they're sitting here not just to be seen in this hot weather tonight. They're come for some reason. They're hungering and thirsting. They love you. Many of them are sick and dying. Some are afflicted. May we not just play now, but may we get right down to deep sincerity in the Word, in the Gospel, and pray with all that's in us, fast and wait upon thee, and know that you will do the exceeding abundantly above all that we could do or think. If we will just only commit ourselves to thee and purpose in our heart, like Daniel did in Babylon, that we'll not defile ourselves with unbelief, but we will let the Holy Spirit take all unbelief from us and believe on him with all of our hearts. We approach the word just now. Speak to us, Father, through thy word. For I ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I wish for you to turn tonight in the book of St. Matthew. And let's get the 14th chapter, if you will, in the book of St. Matthew. I want to begin to read with the 22nd verse. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into his ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus, one of them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But Jesus straightway, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of a good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. I want to take for a text to draw a context in that 27th verse. Be not afraid, it is I. And the words I wish to use is, it is I. It must have been along about this time of the evening. The sun is just going down when the each one of them taking their place at the, the oar lock in their boat and the little sea as I was sitting this afternoon thinking as I looked out across the lake. Must have been something like that. Galilee is about that size and maybe a little wider. And the big fisherman with his brawny big muscles begin to twist at the boat as he pushed the, the bow out into the Late, climbing over the rest of the apostles and taking his seat up towards the, the front of the boat, set down perhaps to the side of his brother Andrew and his good friends and especially in Christian fellowship. There's something about when you have been with a group of people where Jesus is, it's so hard to depart from that people. There's something that just wells us together as we set in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a feeling it is for people to congregate together in that fellowship with the Lord Jesus. That's what they had enjoyed that day, and thousands were standing on the bank, 5,000 or more people, and they were waving goodbye, and as it is with 
fellowship, we just can't hardly leave one another. And we used to think of the old song we used to sing at the church years ago. And I was pastoring a little Baptist tabernacle at my city, Jeffersonville, Indiana. We used to sing this old song, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. When we asunder part, it gives us inward pain. But we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. Many of you have heard that old song. It's a famous old song of the church been cherished down through the years. And as they waved goodbye to the one that was on the bank and there's a little ship on the still waters floated its way out into the sea. Dark began to steal across from the other side uh, towards the Gadaria. And there were the shade falling into the water. The little ship was almost out of sight from the disciples or the people on the bank as the disciples went out into the lake. I believe it must have been quite a little bit, maybe say ten minutes before anybody spoke any more words as the little ship drifted along and each apostle with a, a oar just and rotating just in time. And there we learn a lesson too on this little ship sailing over life's solemn main that we are going on. If we will just pull together. The ship will move much better. If the Baptists and Presbyterian and Pentecostal and Assemblies of God and Church of God and all will just pull together, the little ship will certainly move smoothly. And as they move the little ship towards the other shore of their destination, it must have been the young John. He was the youngest among the bunch that brushed back the shaggy hair from his face and Waited just for a moment as he rested up on his oars. The brethren waited and wondered what he was going to say. Then he must have turned with something like this and said, Brethren, I am more than ever convinced tonight that we're not following some sort of a uh, religious fanatic. I am more sure than I ever was in all my life that we are following the true Son of God. I was more convinced today than ever. As a little boy, I used to love to hear my mother read of the great Jehovah who was God of power, who could do miracles and speak things into existence and create by his own words. And my mother used to tell me, Sonny, all things was made by God and he just spoke it into existence. And then I used to love to hear that story when our ancient people come out of Egypt 40 years in the wilderness how Jehovah led them. And when they got hungry, Jehovah just rained bread down out of heaven. And as a little boy, I used to think how I like for Jehovah to rain some of that angel food, food down now. Because it said it was wafers with honey. And I would be glad to get it. And you know, today when I see him take those five fish or five loaves and two little fishes and feed 5,000 people, I know that had to be Jehovah. I know no one else could do that. Brethren, I crawled up close to that rock when I seen that little boy that we followed us down there this morning had been playing truant from the school. 
Give me this little sister, and he had this lunch under his arm. And when I saw Peter there, asked him about that lunch when everybody was hungry, and it was given over into the hands of our Lord, I thought of how it was just enough food in there to feed that one little boy his dinner. But when it was in the hands of Jesus, it could feed 5,000 and take up several baskets full of pieces. How God can multiply what we put in his hands. In our hands, it's not much. In his hands, he multiplies it by the thousands. If we can only let him have what little we have, our time, our attention, our faith may not be too much. Like our sister sitting here, one holding crutch, another sitting in a wheelchair, and a precious man sitting looking at me there with a crutch in a wheelchair. Might not be, little faith you have may not be very much, but if he could only get once into the hands of Christ, what he could do with it. The wheelchairs would be pushed up against the wall, be going down the streets tomorrow, praising God, thanking God. Many sitting here dying with heart trouble, cancer, whatever it might be. In a few days from now, you might go back to your doctor and he'd say, Hey, what's happened here? What is it? What little you had, you gave it to the hands of Christ and he began to multiply. The cancer began to leave. The heart began to go back to its right place and beat right again. Just let him have it in his hands. He said, when I saw him take those five biscuits and, and two fishes and break them, I climbed up on the rock and looked over to see how he did it. I'd see that piece of fish in his hand. He'd break it off and lay it over here. And when he reached back again, there would be another fish there. Not only a fish in the water, but a fish already raised and cooked and ready to go, ready to eat. And when I saw him break that little loaf of bread in two, lay it out here, but when he reached back again, there was another loaf ready to be broken off again. Oh, how he could grow bread. I want to ask if there be a sign of here, what kind of an atom did he turn loose at that time? To make... The regular wheat, of course, it was the same one he turned loose when he turned the water into wine. He's God. He does what he wants to. And he's willing to do all things and give us exceedingly abundantly, more than we could even think, if we would just let ourselves be turned loose into faith in him. That's where it lays, is having faith in him, to believe that he can. For all things are possible to them that believe, no matter what it is. It's possible. And not only possible, probable, and will happen if you'll just believe it. Now, and young John, as he looked down there and said, I seen then that he did something. He did something the same way that Jehovah done it. And I heard him say, brethren, that if I do not the works to my Father, then believe me not. But if I do the works to my Father, and you cannot believe me, then believe the work. How perfect that is. How that applies to any age. As long as Jesus is alive tonight, he's just as much God tonight as he was then. Just the same. He said, if I do not do the work to my Father, young John must have said, I read in the Bible where Jehovah could make bread come out of the heavens to create bread in the heavens and send it to the earth. And brethren, that bread had to come from heaven because I've seen it off and hand it out. And I'm persuaded with all 
reflect in my heart that he is the son of the living God. Yes. How he must have said that as the tears rolled down his young cheeks. He never forgot it. He never forgot it when he was an old man. He'd have to be packed to the platform, preach just a short sermon instead of around four hours. That he still contained him that love that he, all he could talk about was little children love one another. Just repeat it over. Little children love one another for he that loveth is of God for God is love. Then it takes real love to create. Love, you let your wife know that you love her, she loves you. It'll, when you're a young couple and you find favor with one another, it makes you join yourselves together for a lifetime journey. Love, and that's filial love, that's human love. What will a gospel love do when you can really get into a place that you can show God that you love him and you got confidence in him. How you join yourself to him, not only for a life journey, but for eternity. How you're willing to take his word just at what he says and say, that's right, Lord. I question it not. Move right on. That's what takes real love. And young John, as he sat there with his hands resting up on the oars, perhaps then someone picked up the oars and they started again. It was getting dark now. Then, if uh, as the young John had got his say, so it must have been the Apostle Peter, the big brawny fisherman setting up towards the boat at the stern, where he just pushed the bow out and jumped in the stern of it and sat down by the side of his brother Andrew. He must have stopped to have it. You know, we just all got to have a little testimony once in a while when we get together. I like it yet, don't you? A good testimony meeting. And so it must have been Apostle Peter that... Uh, could not hold himself any longer. And he said, Well, uh, brethren, I, I want to testify too. When Andrew here, my brother, had went up to visit this so-called Galilean prophet as was going around, I heard my priest say at the temple there was nothing to it because God had no more prophets. And, and uh, I'd heard all kinds of rumors of healings and so forth, but I, I couldn't believe it. But one day when we were washing out our nets, this fellow came down to the, the bank to preach, and then I got me a chunk and went back up on the side of the bank and sat down. But when he began to speak, there was something about him that was different from any priest or preacher I'd ever heard. And brother, when you want to sit still enough and listen so you can hear that still, small voice of Christ, it's different from any message you ever heard in your life. It brings a peace, it brings a satisfaction, it does something to you that stirs your innermost being. You're never the same. Man cannot meet God and talk with God and ever remain the same again. Now, he said, but when I had it all in my heart, that after I know my godly old father, which was a Pharisee, as you brethren all know that he was a Pharisee, and then... When he was getting old, I remember how he used to sit after a day's fishing on this lake. He would sit down around the bend yonder where we used to pull the nets in. One day he picked me up in his arms and he said to me, Simon, my little boy, Daddy is going to have to leave you one of these days. Turn all my boat and tackle and everything over to you. 
Now I look at my own little boy, Joseph, and think the same thing. Someday I've got to turn the Bible over to him and all that, that I have. And he said, as my father would push the gray hairs from his brown, his white beard, he said, Simon, sit down. I want to instruct you, my son. All through the years, we've waited, our people have waited for that coming Messiah. And we have now drawn up many descriptions and how he will look when he comes, uh, riding down out of heaven out in a chariot, driven by angels or horses or something. We have many descriptions. But Simon, that's not going to be the coming Messiah. When the Messiah comes, he's going to come in a different way from what any of our rabbis are thinking. Now, Simon, I want you to read the Scriptures, because the Scriptures always tell the truth. Now, here's one thing you can remember. When he comes, he's going to be rejected. He's going to be a rejected man because every true message of God has always rejected. Always has been, always will be. It's going to be rejected by the people in the, the majority. They will reject it. Now here's where you're going to find there may be many false messiahs rise before your time, Simon. I've always thought that I would live the scene, but I'm getting old and I perhaps don't see it. But Simon, never, never let this depart from you. When the Messiah comes, he will be a prophet. He'll be a God prophet. Because Simon, Moses, the one we are following his instructions now, said in his word, which he was a prophet, he said, The Lord your God shall raise up a prophet liken unto me. And now you remember when the Messiah cometh, he'll be a prophet like Moses. But he'll be more than a prophet. He'll be the God prophet. It'll be God's innate prophet manifesting himself. And when you see that great sign, now people raise up and say they're this, that, the other. Don't you believe it, Simon. But when you see God working the sign of a prophet, because that's going to be the Messiah's sign, will be the sign of a prophet, because Moses said, The Lord your God shall raise up a prophet, liken unto me, lawgiver, priest, king, prophet. And it will come to pass that whosoever shall not hear this prophet, will be cut off from the, among the people. Isaiah said he would be rejected, a man of sorrow, plain with grief. We would hide as it was in faces. Now, don't believe the modern trend of him, Simon, but you watch for that sign of the Messiah. He'll be a prophet. And brethren, that day sitting on the chunk, he said to the, perhaps the apostles as we give the little drama, I sat there and watched and listened to this man. He was, um, a very forceful speaker. He didn't speak like one of the priests from the Bible, from the scrolls. He spoke with authority. And when he spoke, he seemed to have perfect confidence in what he said was right. Therefore, I began to kind of like him. Then all of a sudden, he turned and looked at me steady on that stump and said, Your name is Simon, and you're the son of Jonas. That proved to me that he was the one that God was going to send. He was that God prophet. For he not only knows me, my name was Simon, 
But he knows that godly old father of mine. He said, you are Simon. And you are the son of Jonas, my dad. Therefore, I knew that my dad had instructed me by the Bible. And now the Bible was a living fact that here he was calling me by name that never even seen me in his life. Never heard of me. Know nothing about me. And here he calls me Simon. Not only that, but he spoke of my old father that's been gone for 50 years. Said, you're the son of Jonas. When he said that, I fell at his feet because I know that was the Messiah. Amen. Messiah yesterday. What would the Messiah be today if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Well, it must have been about that time, Philip's time, to stand for a testimony in the vote. As it was almost dark then, about shady, and Philip stood up and he said, Brother Nathaniel, you bear me record of this. I stood there and seen our Lord tell Simon here that his name was Simon. He was the son of Jonas. That helped me too. And I had a brother that belonged to a great denomination called the Sadducees. So I, I went to see him. And it's about 15 miles around the mountain. I went over one morning early. I got up. Had my breakfast and taken off across the mountain as hard as I could and went over and along about late in the evening I come or the afternoon I came to the place where I know that this man lived. And I knocked on the door and his wife said um, he had just taken a visit out in his, um, in his grove. And uh, he's out there among the trees somewhere. Philip, you'll find him out there. So I went out amongst his trees, and when I got out there, I heard a noise. Now I went looking under the fig tree, and there he was on his knees praying. Then he might have said, you remember that, brother Nathaniel? Amen. I remember. And I waited until he finished praying, and I said to him, Come see who we have found, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Oh, he said, now, wait a minute. What's this you're saying? Now, look, Nathaniel, I know you've, you've been a good man and you're plenty scripturally bound. Don't you go off on the deep end now. Now, what have you done? You tell me that this Galilean prophet you're talking about is the Messiah. Listen, Nathaniel, I saw him and heard him. You, the son of the Messiah. We know the Messiah is to be a God prophet. Not seeing him sent. You remember that old fisherman you bought the fish from down on the lake that day by the name of Simon? Yes, I remember. He was so illiterate he could not even sign a receipt for the fish. I remember that. As soon as he came up into the presence of this Jesus of Nazareth, he said, Your name is Simon and you're the son of Jonas. He said, now, Philip, uh, Nathaniel, I wish you to search the scripture. Is not that the sign of the Messiah? And he said, oh, certainly the Messiah will be a prophet. We know that. We're trained in that. But where would we find such a man? Is that, where is he from? He comes from Nazareth. Nazareth. Could there be any good thing come from Nazareth? I believe that he gave him one of the best, uh, 
answers that any man could give another, he said, come and see. That's the best thing to do. Now, just don't stay home and say, well, uh, the Joneses said so-and-so. Don't do that. Come bring your Bible and search the Scriptures and see if it's right or not. Come see for yourself. Don't come just for an hour. Come to stay till you're thoroughly convinced that it's right. That's the way. Check it by the Scriptures. Knowing it, whether it is, it is true or whether it is not. When you are convinced through the scriptural teachings of the Bible, whether it's right or not. Now, that's what he was referring to. Come, see for yourself whether it is the, the truly the Messiah or not. Well, he said, I'll come and see. So as he, we went along the road, I told him the different things that had happened. And so when he walked up into the presence of the Messiah, to Jesus, he perhaps maybe was standing like you are. Maybe he was uh, sitting down. Maybe he was uh, whatever position he was in. When this man walked up into his presence, being a religious man, a good man, he said, uh, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no God. Now this astonished him. He didn't know what to say then. He wondered how he ever known who he was. He said, Rabbi, which the word Rabbi means a teacher, a Hebrew teacher. Rabbi, when did you ever know me? Now you tell me here that I am uh, an Israelite. Now it wasn't because he was dressed like an Israelite, because all the Eastern people, he could have been an Arab or he could have been a Greek. They all dressed with the uh, garments and the turban and just like they do in the East. He could have belonged to many different forms of people than in the eastern country. But it wasn't his dress, it wasn't his color, they're all dark brown. And so he said, you are a Israelite in whom there is no guile, a direct, positive witness of the Messiah. See, thou art an Israelite. In whom there is no God. He said, Rabbi, in other words, teacher, reverence, we'd say today, how did you ever know me? And he said, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. What eyes? Fifteen miles around the mountains the day before. When he was under the tree, I saw you. And said, I fell before him and said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. He knew it. He knew it because that he saw the Messiah sign on him. Then, it must have been after he got through, it was good old Andrew sitting beside of the apostle Peter who was going to text the next. It must have been him that said, Well, brethren, let me speak for all. Did not we all be fairly convinced when he was going down to Jericho from Jerusalem? And that's a straight line right down the mountain to Jericho. But that morning he said, I have need to go by Samaria. That's up on the mountain. Why would he have to go, going to Jericho, come by the way of Samaria? You remember how strange we all felt that day, but we was, each one was afraid to say anything to him. Because we know that God was in him and God was leading him and we just, we, we just didn't want to say anything about it. Because it was God that was leading him. He said he was 
We went with him up around Samaria, and you remember how those old stones, and he got so tired going up there, and he sat down at the well and sent us in to get some food down in the city. He sat down by the public well. There was nothing there to even draw him a drink with. We would have wanted to cool him off, but give him a drink and washing his feet. But he said, Brother, go on down and get some vittles, and I'll wait here, a little panoramic like there were the well set. It's a, a public well for the city. And um, while we were gone, they wouldn't sell us any food, so we come back out to the well. And you remember we heard something going on when we come back and we stooped down in the sagebrush there to listen, see what was being said. And there was a, a beautiful woman that we thought would be a very uh, godly-looking woman. She was pretty, her hair, her face, and she was rather young, and she was uh, talking with him. And we heard him say to her, Woman, bring me a drink. And uh, she said, Sir, it's not custom for you Jews to ask Samaritans such. I'm a woman of Samaria. Therefore, we have no dealings one with another. A great segregation. We have no dealings. And listen what he said. If you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. And I'd bring you water. You do not come here to draw. She said, the well's deep. You have nothing to draw with. And as they went ahead with their conversation about worshiping in the mountain and so forth, then we heard our Lord say, go get your husband and come here. And she turned and said, I have no husband. Then we thought, what's this? Has our master made a mistake when this woman said that, that she has no husband? As many times as we've seen perform that Messiah sign, then here he stands up here with a new class of people, the Samaritans, and yet here on the very first thing he fails. She said, I have no husband. And then he says, truly, you have spoke the truth because you have had five husbands. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. He makes no mistake. Then she said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. What that woman knowed. When just a few days before that, when he'd done the same thing, the church people called him a devil, a spiritualist, a Beelzebub. They was reading the people's minds. Of mental telepathy or something on that order. That he is Beelzebub doing this. Jesus said, You speak that against me, I will forgive you. But in otherwise, one day the Holy Spirit's going to come to witness for me. And when he comes and does the same thing, speak one word against it, will never be forgiven in this world or the world to come. That's how serious it would be. And she said, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now listen to this woman. We know, we Samaritans, we know that the Messiah is coming. And when the Messiah cometh, he'll do these things. He'll tell us these things. That'll be the sign of the Messiah when he comes. So you must be his prophet. In other words, she said the same thing the rest of them said. When the Messiah comes, Messiah will be a prophet. A God prophet. He'll be more than a prophet. But he'll show the Messiah sign as a prophet. They had no prophet for 400 and something years since Malachi, one of the minor prophets. He said, but when Messiah cometh, he will be a prophet like Moses, a great prophet. 
They will fool old things and tell things and tell us what we are and what we've done. He'll be that kind of a man. I know when the Messiah cometh, he'll tell us these things, but who art thou? Jesus said, I'm he that speaks to you. Now, sometimes I've heard an infidel said not long ago, not one place in the scripture did Jesus ever say that he was the Christ. What about that? And others also. He said, I am he that speaks with you. And upon this, she dropped her, set down or dropped her water pail and run into the city and said, come see a man that told me what I've done. Isn't this the very Messiah? And the Bible said that that city believed him to be the Messiah because of the testimony of the woman. Now, if that was the sign of the Messiah yesterday, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that would be the sign of the Messiah today. Is that right? If he's the same. Now, let's just stop just for a moment. Now, there is three classes of people on the earth, if the Bible is right. And God forgive me for that sacrilegious word of if. The Bible is right. And we all come from either Ham, Shem, or Japheth's children. That was the three sons of Noah. After the antediluvian flood, when the world was destroyed, we, we come from those three people. Now, that was the Jew, Gentile, and Samaritan. Did you notice Peter was given in Matthew, I believe the 16th chapter, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And on the day of Pentecost, he opened it to the Jews. Philip went out and preached to these Samaritans, and yet the Holy Ghost had fell upon none of them, yet he had the Holy Ghost. They sent and got John and Peter to come down, laid hands upon them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Right. See, even the man pulled the Holy Ghost, yet Peter had the keys. And that was another nationality of people, the Samaritans. And then at the house of Cornelius, they, Cornelius had seen a vision, and they, uh, the angel told him to go down to Simon the Tanner, inquire for one, Simon, and he come up and told him the things of the Lord, and while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. But you notice from then on, Paul and the rest of them laid hands on them and so forth, they got the Holy Ghost. But there were those three classes of people again, Ham, Sham, and Japheth's people, Jews, Gentiles, and Samaritans. Now notice. When Jesus came, he performed that sign as a Messiah sign before the Jews. Now, the Gentiles, we, the Anglo-Saxons, we were not looking for any Messiah. He only comes to those that's looking for him. He'll only heal tonight those that believe they are going to be healed. He will only save those who's got faith enough to be saved in. He'll only fill with the Spirit those who are looking for the Holy Spirit. When he comes to the earth again, he'll come for those who are waiting for him to come, and looking for him to come, and prepared for him to come. He'll come to his church. Now, we Anglo-Saxon Gentiles, we were not looking for him to come. But there were two classes looking for him to come. That was the Jews and the Samaritans. And you search the scriptures through, and you'll never find one place where Jesus ever performed that Messiah sign to a Gentile. Not one time. Because the Gentiles wasn't looking for him. But he said in the last days when the Holy Ghost comes, it would do it. The, the Gentiles had not been taught upon the religion of Jehovah. They wasn't looking for such. They had not been taught Bible teaching. We were heathens that worshipped idols, Romans and Greeks and so forth. They had gods and goddesses and uh, packed a club on our back and so forth. 
heathen. But the Jews and the Samaritans was looking for a Messiah, and when the Messiah came, he showed them the God prophesied as he was the Messiah. Now, he said, in the coming of the last days, now listen close. He said, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Now, just before that, he said, as it was in the days of Noah. Now, notice Noah's time it rained. He said, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. That was the immorals, because in Sodom they had got beyond that. See? He said, in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. But then when he come to the days of Sodom, he didn't mention one thing about that. See? Oh, God is full of wisdom. Jesus thanked the Father because he had hid it from the eyes of the wise and prudent. You can't find it but digging through. God is a revelation. It's a revelation at the beginning. Who told Abel that he should offer a lamb instead of king with the fruit? When Jesus was asked his disciples, Who does man say I the Son of Man am? And one said, Thou art the Moses, one said, The Elias, the prophets. He said, But who do you say? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon, the son of Jonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. It's a spiritual revelation who Jesus Christ is. Upon this rock, God revealing, not by learning by a word, not by some creed, but by a spiritual revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God that's revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. The Bible said no man can call Jesus the Christ only by the Holy Spirit. That's how essential it is in this day. But we see the world pleasure mad like it was in the days of Noah. Look at Reno, Nevada back here, marrying, giving in marriage. Look now at the days of Noah and the days of Sodom. Look at the perversion. Letters, thousands of them coming from, mostly from California here for perversion is on, oh my, on the sweet, increasing about 30% each year of perversion because the people are just so common and so, quite oh, as horrible. It isn't even right to talk about it, hardly from the platform, how degraded the nations are getting. And especially this America, our land, our home. Oh, it needs a real, genuine revival shaking. Or it's going to get an atomic shaking. So it's the past revival, so we'll just look for the atomic. But the church will go before that time comes. And if that's that close to coming for an atomic shake, we're getting places to run, fall down, and things like that. What about the coming of the Lord? When that will take place before the world's destroyed, we know that. Notice, Noah was in the ark before any water fell. Lot had to get out of Sodom before any fire fell. The church will get out of the world before an atomic bomb goes it up. It'll have to. Notice. Now let's watch what Sodom did, and we get right back. You said, Brother Van, you got way off of your text. Well, as David once said, David DePlitz says that I cannot preach on the highway all the time because a lot of people I preach to don't live on the highways. I have to go down the lane and pick up some, come back again. So I get off my text, but I want to pick up some down on the lane now. And notice, on this in Sodom, as it was in the days of Sodom, let's just stop for a few minutes here now on Philip's uh, testimony. And let's go to Sodom in just a moment. Notice, Sodom, there's always three classes of people in the world. That believers, make believers, and unbelievers. That's the three classes that they always produce. And now, 
In Sodom, there was a Sodomite. You know what the sin of it was? It was terrible, just like it is in the world today. All right. Now, and then Abraham, now Lot was down in Sodom, a lukewarm Christian, a nominal Christian, because it said the sins of Sodom vexed his righteous soul, but he did little about it. Let them come into his church, dress any way they want to, act the way they want to, smoke, drink, gamble, do anything, as long as they were professed to be believers. You see, it was all right. Just a lukewarm Christian, lukewarm church member. Then, we notice that outside, up in the desert, separated, called out, was Abraham, the elected church, elected by foreknowledge. God had called him out. The very word church means called out and separated. Israel was the people of God until they were called out of Egypt and segregated from the Egyptians, and then they were the church of God. The word church means called out. Here they were, Abraham sitting up there, things going hard for him. I'd imagine Miss Lot walked up and down her little ivory palace down there in Gomorrah and say, You know what? There's poor old Sarah up there hasn't even got to change the clothes hardly. There's Abraham, his cattle starving death. Why don't they come down here and join in our society? Brother, they had a society in their heart. They had something that was making them waiting for the coming of the Lord. One day when the weather was hotter than it is today, dry as it was, Abraham was sitting in the door of his tent where they had an old oak tree. And um, I thought of that, Brother Bud, if you're in here when I come to your place today. I'm sitting there by the tent. And uh, the herdsman was out and the water's all dried up and they could hardly find anything for their cattle. And the first thing you know, Abraham happened to notice. And here come three men with dust all over their clothes, just ordinary men. Abraham thought, you know, that there must be a little something different about those fellows. He called them in and set them down. He said, sit down. Let me fetch a little water and wash your feet and refresh yourself. And I'll get a marshal of bread and you eat the bread. Then go on wherever you're going. Because Abraham believed that there was something fixing to happen. You know, there's something about sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. You know that same little tickling feeling in Abraham's heart that there was something fixed to happen is the same thing set this lady here tonight with this wheelchair. Same one sent that man there. Same one sent every one of you here. That little feeling that there's something somewhere. See, you just come for that purpose. Because, oh, somebody said, oh, it's a bunch of, uh, oh, holy rollers up there. What more? See, they don't understand. But the Holy Spirit led you here. Sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. Now, as these two, three men come up, they sat down and Abraham running and said, Sarah, sift her out a little meal. Yeah, how many ever sift her meal? My, some of you women? Sure, a lot of these. One with a little gray hair in me. I see my mother take that old sifter around like that, had a wedge in him. Sometimes the meat will be lumpy and she have to take this wedge and rub it around and around and around to get the, out and make us that little corn cake for breakfast and have that in sorghum molasses. Sure. And had this old, and she sifted it out like that, you know, and, and he ran out in the herd and got a little fat calf and killed it and had it dressed. And he cooked the meat on the hearth, and he come out, and this, these three men were sitting there. He gave them food. Now watch now. We're right back to Nathaniel, just a moment, in their testimony. Now, when he come out and give them the meat, while well, these men sat there and eat, and Abraham probably talking to them. After a while, he noticed one of them kept looking over towards Sodom. Two of them got up and went on towards Sodom. And... So after they went down to Sodom, remember what their message was when they got down there? Repentance! Come out! That was a modern Billy Graham and an Oral Roberts or whatever you want to call it. Two great mighty ministers that went down there into Sodom and preached repentance! They didn't perform so many miracles, only blinded a few eyes. And preaching the gospel does blind the unbeliever. 
so the uh, it, they never done such a miracle. They did miracles, but not miracles like back here at the other place. Now they preached and called him, Repent or perish. That was the two that went down into Sodom. But the one that stayed back here was Abraham. Let's watch him for a few minutes. The church, the eighty. Uh, 500 and something version of the Pentecost <laughs> sitting down there at the tent the believers then this man had his back turned towards the tent the women then wasn't like the women today mostly you know it has to be in all the man's business and everything they kind of stayed back in the house so they, they uh, so they she was there was he never know so this man as he got through eating he said Abraham what called him by name Abraham where is your wife? How do you know he's married? Where is your wife, Sarah? Listen to that. Her name actually wasn't Sarah. Sarah. First name was called Sarah because she was a princess. He called her by her princess name. Abraham, that's your name. Where is your wife? Or you're a married man. And her name is Sarah. How do you know that? What's the sign? I remember. He said, just as it was at Sodom, when fire burnt the earth up, Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be in the come of Son of Man. Now watch, that same sign given to a Gentile world. See what we're getting at? Where is your wife Sarah? Abraham said, she's in the tent, and the Bible said the tent was behind the angel. How many ever read that? No, that's true. Sure. The tent was behind him. She's in the tent behind you. Said Abraham... Twenty-five years ago, in other words, I promised you a son, I'm going to visit you according to the time of life of Sarah, the 28 days, that I'm going to visit you according to that time. And you're going to have this son. And Sarah, being 90 years old and Abraham 100, she went to herself, last ran to herself behind the angel inside the tent, and the angel said, Why did Sarah rise? Amen. Now, what kind of telepathy was that? Abraham, you're a married man. You have a wife. Her name is Sarah. I've never seen you before, never know nothing about you, otherwise. you never seen me before. But you know that there's something going on. Now, where is your wife Sarah? Abraham said, she's in the tent behind you. And she went, he said, why did she lie? In the tent behind him, that was to the church elected. Sodom never seen it. Sodom cared nothing about it. But Abraham waited in a hot tent, hotter than this building this afternoon, waiting for something to happen, and he found it. Jesus said, as it was that day, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. The church elected will see that same sign again. What are we? These are Gentiles waiting for a Messiah. God is sovereign. If God let, at the age of all the intellectual teaching that Israel had, and Samara had, and just at the end of their teaching, the end of their day, he showed them the sign of the Messiah to prove it, and he's the same yesterday and forever. He will not let the Gentile church come in without doing the same thing for them. If it was, he'd give them something he wouldn't give us. He'd give one of his children a piece of pie and the other a piece of pie, but refuse it to the other. That he's not a father like that. No, he'll give it to them if they're willing to eat it. That's it. It's up to the church, then. It's up to them. Now, as Philip sat there and said, Yes, that is right. And when we went and got Nathaniel, and Nathaniel said, So Andrew, all of them testified, said, Yes, as it was in the days of Sodom. 
How did we know those things that, that he spoke would take place? He spoke would take place. Now, he said, yes, my heart burned within me. I fell up on my face and when he told me where I was at and told me who my father was. And when we all stood there and seen that woman of Samaria and he told her that she had five husbands and, and then tell her, the, she said she had no husband and he said she got five and the one you're living with now is not yours. And she cried out, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. We know when the Messiah cometh, he'll tell us all these things, but who are you? Now, pray all night and have them little meetings, stand on the corner, beat tambourines and police run you off one corner, go around to the corner of the alley and start again. See? Then we're trying to get the message over, but we got to a place now where our preachers are intellectual and all oh, their doctors of divinity and great big man and things. That's too bad it ever happened, but it, it, it happened anyhow. See? And we're no longer in the alley anymore. We're right out here like the rest of the churches, the big buildings, and one's trying to outdo the other and get more in his Sunday school and the other and everything like that. And you know what? I think altogether we went off without the Lord. See? God is interested in us saving souls, not building buildings, which the buildings are all right. But he wants souls saved. Jesus never did commission his disciples to build a church. He never did commission to make a hospital. All those things are all right. But he said, preach the gospel. These signs shall follow them that believe. But we've got off on the intellectual sign, grandchildren. But God don't have grandchildren. You know, God only has sons and daughters, not grandchildren. God, but we got Pentecostal grandchildren because Papa and Mama brought them to the Pentecostal church. We come in, we come in with them. They brought us in, put us on the cradle roll, and we become members of the Pentecostal church. That's grandchildren. That ain't no good. We got every man that comes to God's got to be born out of the Spirit of God. Then you're sons and daughters of God with an experience, something in there that God lives and you know He's real. That's the real son and daughter. If you're a if you're a Methodist and a son of God, amen, you're a Methodist son of God. If you're a Pentecostal and a son of God, all right, but don't be a grandson Methodist or a grandson Pentecostal. Be a son and daughter by the birth, the new birth, the supernatural, the Holy Ghost, baptism in your heart, and your sons and daughters. Now, they find, Satan looked over and he found him going off on a tantrum like that. He said, this is my opportunity. So he raised his slimy head up over the hill and began to blow across the lake, you know. A wind come. Poison winds begin to lift up the bottom of the sea and toss the little boat. And, you know, when that coldness comes in and we get to think about intellectual ministers, well, my pastor has a DD. My pastor got a, a bachelor of art degree. Our pastor come from so-and-so seminary. That don't mean anything. Not of it. I'd rather my child would be with a man who didn't even know his ABCs and found Christ in his heart than to be with one who knowed all the intellectuals. That's right. Moses knowed all the intellectuals, but God had to take him over to the bush and take it all out of him and then put some faith in him from the fire that was on the bush. And that's what we need tonight is another visit to the bush where we get an experience. The day we're living in a day when infidels is trying to explain to all the way Jesus knows that. He said, I'll not leave you comfortless. The Father will send the Holy Ghost in my name. And in a little while, the world won't see me no more. Yet you'll see me, for I, the Holy Spirit speaking in him, I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Now, God knows that in the end of the world, people's going to rise up, great scholars and intellectuals, and explain all the Bible away. And no man has a right behind the pulpit. No man has a right to call himself a Christian until he's once got back there on the backside of the desert on those sacred sands where he met God face to face. 
He had an experience. You might take all the slick intellectual doctors of divinity to explain all this away and explain all that away, but when it comes to stepping on that sacred sand where you met God face to face, there's not enough doctors of divinity or not enough devils out of hell could ever shake that experience from you when you have met God somewhere face to face and felt the power of the change of a new life coming to you. There's no devil in the hell could ever shake it away from you. You are a new creature. And you've got the experience in your heart. You say, but wait a minute, wait a minute, something happened. See, you've got something. I remember when the general overseer came and he said, Billy, you must have had a nightmare. I said, that's it, here's my fellowship card. I want somebody to talk to me. You lied to me. I said, here's, oh, I said, don't feel that way about it. I said, well, that's just my feeling anyhow. I can't get all tied up here and serve God. I'll just serve him right out, just me and him together. Now, notice as we're closing... The winds begin to blow. Poison wind. There's been a whole lot of winds been blowing today saying the days of miracles is past. There's no such a thing as divine healing. The Holy Spirit was for another age 2,000 years ago. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, it's for you and to your children and them as far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's how far it goes. That's just as many as it could go. But you see, they've got something they want to type the world into. It. We'll get into that later. And um, then the winds begin to blow. And all hopes for a revival was gone. Everything was just gone. The little ship ever become waterlogged. The oars had broke. And here there was flipping and flopping, dancing out there on the waves like a bottle stopper on a, a, a mighty, mighty sea. And there they was, just hopeless to ever reach shore. And they would all give up hopes. But you know what? He hadn't left him. Certainly not. He climbed up the highest hill that he could climb so he could look all the way across the sea. And he saw when he was in trouble, and here he come walking to him on the water. Brother, he did the same thing to us. He never only climbed up the highest hill. He started up the hill at Calvary. He went to Mount Calvary and climbed from there the golden stairs till he went plumb into eternity and sat at the right hand of God. You can see the beginning from the beginning. His eyes on the sparrow. And I know he's watching me. He's watching you. He's watching this little meeting. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in their midst. He's trying to find a place to manifest himself, to do something great. To do something to help you. To show you that he's here. He's not dead. He's alive again. Every religion, when I stood there that afternoon before 17 uh, different religions, I said, gentlemen, every one of your founders is dead and in the grave. Buddha, Muhammad, and all the rest of them. Sikhs and James and all of them. Your founders are dead and been buried for hundreds of years. But our God is not dead. They said, well, they crucified him. I said, but he's raised again. I said, if he'll prove himself alive, will you receive him? Yes. Do you show us alive? And so I don't know how many thousands received him when he's seen that he was alive. The little article of Mr. Grimm not long ago, as the paper come out behind, said they said that Mr. Grimm tucked down and wouldn't pray for the sick back there to this Muhammad on his channels and said, how, what about Durban, South Africa? said, when William Bram was over there, when 10,000 Muhammads fell to the altar at one time. When they seen a man that was so afflicted, he was in every way, told him who he was and where he'd come from, all about and healed him, and raised him up on his feet. Not even, not even in his right mind, he came to his own normal sense, and a big tear dropped off on his black belly, and there he was healed. I've seen 10,000 Mohammeds at one time, and altogether 30,000 unbelievers fall at the cross. 
Not build churches, but preach the gospel. Excellent commission. That's it. Churches is fine. Schools are fine. All doctors are fine. All hospitals are... I'm not criticizing that, but that's not the message of the church. It's preach the gospel. These signs shall follow them at least, said Mark 16. There we are. Now, with this taking place, the waves begin to back and forth. And the sad thing was, is a whole lot like it is today. When they saw him coming, walking on the water, they thought it was a spirit. They thought it was a spook of some sort. And they got scared. The only thing that could help them. And my loving friends, if that ain't the situation of today, I don't know it. The only thing that can help the people, they're afraid of it. They say, well, that's a bunch of, that might be Holy Lord. That might be a Pentecostal tongues group. It might be, you know, it might be spiritualism. It might be the devil. See, they're scared of the only thing that can help them. There you come walking. And they seen it. Was, it looked like him, but, oh, they cried out for fear. They thought it was a spirit of some sort. He said, be not afraid. It's I. It's me. Now, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then he'll do the same today as he did then and will forever. Is that right? Let's bow our heads while we think on this scripture. Our Heavenly Father, as we are now coming to the close of this little scrambled up message, Trusting that the Holy Spirit will take those words and just severally give them out in every heart as they have need. May they sink way down deep. And these people are sitting here under this hot roof, not just to be seen, but they've come because they're hungering and thirsty. Now, Father, I pray thee that thou will minister to them the blessings that they come for. May there not be one left that's sick or afflicted. May there not be any here that has any doubt. May the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God here, take every doubt out of their mind because, Father, we have given it just exactly the way it's written. That was the Messiah. That was His sign. That was the one that He promised that would be. Now, Father, we're looking for Him to do the same thing tonight. Like he did coming those that Emmaus, he walked with them all day. He loved them and talked to them and gave them the scriptures. There's many said here tonight, 90% of this audience raised their hand for the first time. They know there's been somebody that's helped them. When I asked them again, they raised up their hand. They were Christian believers. They believed it. Now, when the Theophius and his friend walking from Emmaus, talking with Jesus, not knowing who he was, when he got him inside that night and shut the door, he did something just like he did before his crucifixion. Then they know that no man could do that like him. Then they knew that that was their same Jesus because he did just the same after his resurrection as he did before his resurrection. And they realized that it was him. He vanished quickly as soon as he'd done the miracle out of the sight. But they run quickly and told everybody, truly the Lord has risen. And they found others who had already been associated with the resurrection of seeing him after the resurrection. I pray thee, Father, that as these dear people cross over these hills, down to the different cities and their homes, may they talk tonight. May I, on my road up to my camp, may I be able to say with those who are with me, like them, they did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us along the way. Come tonight, Lord Jesus. We're nearing the end of time. This great state of California, a great portion of the population of the United States comes from here. 
fashions are sent from here. Oh, Lord, way up here in these people up on the lake. Many of them down in Los Angeles and different places. Let the Holy Spirit once more come, Father, that they might know that the sign that the Messiah is nearing, just like the, the cornerstone, just like the capstone on the pyramid, it must coincide with the rest of the stones, must coincide with it, or it can never be capped. So is it with the coming of the Lord Jesus. The church has to be so fitted that Christ and his church will be one when they come. So let his spirit be so dominant, predominant tonight in our hearts and in our meetings that everyone will recognize that it is you. And they won't be afraid. They'll know it's you because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to call a little prayer line. We are, I've seen for nearly everyone here was Christian. And we'll have the altar calls as we go along. Because divine healing is not a major. Divine healing is a minor. But 86% of the ministry of the Lord Jesus was divine healing. That was to prove to the people who he was. Now, how many will admit that what I preach tonight is the scripture? That's the way he made himself known. And how many knows that he promised that in this last day that he would do, he'd come again, do the same thing in the last day, that he said, the works that I do shall you also. And how many believe in foreknowledge of God, that he foreknowledge and he elect, election is by foreknowledge. And then God in the ages, he had a Martin Luther, he had a John Wesley, he's had man through the age. In the last days, he's got to raise something, a church. That his ministry will be Martin Luther, justification was by faith. John Wesley had sanctification, the second work of grace. Pentecost has had the restoration of the gifts. Now the next thing is the coming of the Lord. So this gift message of speaking with tongues, interpretation of tongues and different things that we've had, now it's moving right on in. But now it's up at the hour of the church in the minority, because they're coming down from Wesley, Luther, and on down. Now they're right up to the cap of the stone. Now, believe with all your heart. Now, how many knows that Jesus said this? That he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he also. That's right. He said this, a little while in the world, that's the world order, will see me no more. That's the unbeliever. He'll see me no more. But ye shall see me, that's the believer, for I, and I is a personal pronoun, I will be with you even in you to the end of the world. How many knows he says that? Now, that makes him that if he's here, if Jesus is raised from the dead, and he's here in the form of the Holy Spirit, he's everything that he was besides the corporal body. How many knows that? How many knows that his corporal body sits at the right hand of God the Father in glory, making intercessions as God cannot see our sins, and he looks through the blood of Jesus. Red, Jew, red, looks white. We know that. And through the red blood of Christ, our red sins, they turn white. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And he's sitting there tonight as a high priest, making intercessions on our confession. You believe that? Hebrews said, how many knows that the Bible says that he is right now a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmity? Now, if he is the same high priest that he was, then how would you know you touched him if he didn't act like he did when he was here on earth? 
if he, if he isn't the same, you might say, well, hallelujah, I touched him, that might be so. But if he's still the same high priest, he's got to act the same. How did he act when he was touched here on earth? A little woman, one time he's on his road to raise up a little dead girl. And Jesus said, I do nothing till the Father shows me first. How many know that? St. John 5, 19, he passed for the fool, but there's it were multitudes, thousands of lame, halt, blind, and withered. He wound his way through that crowd until he found a man laying on a pallet. About like that little fellow laying there on a pallet. And he said, um, he healed that man because the Bible said that Jesus knew that he had been this way 38 years. Now, he wasn't blind, neither was he crippled. He wasn't past walking. He said, when I'm coming down, someone else steps in ahead of me. See, he could, he could, get, he could walk. He wasn't blind, wasn't crippled, and had no water head or nothing. He had a retarded disease, something like TB or prostate trouble or something. He, it was retarded. He had it 38 years. It wasn't going to kill him. But Jesus had been showed by the Father to go there, and he did it. That same way by Samaria. He had need go by Samaria. He didn't know what he was going to do. When he got up there, he sent him away and thought, Father, what is it? Wait there. First thing you know, here come this woman. He went to talking to her until he caught her spirit and told her what her trouble was. Now, that was Jesus yesterday. Now, the only thing I know, I was supposed to go to Germany and all over Europe and Asia, around the world, come plumb around the world, in Australia, New Zealand, come back. Something happened, I couldn't go. But the United States government, I couldn't leave. All right? Now, what did I do? I said, Brother Borders, go over and fix up some meetings. First thing you know, he said, well, I've got over here and down here and down here. I said, it's all right for me. I have no certain leading. But the Father led me here. Here I am. I don't know you, who you are. Now, what's he going to do? If he's the same yesterday and forever, he'll act the same yesterday and forever if he sent me over here. Is that right? He only went to one there, but that one went to a whole city and caused the whole city to believe. See? Now, this woman on his road up to raise Jairus' daughter that was dead. Now, when he is on the road up there, a little woman, she couldn't get a prayer card and get in the line, as it was. She couldn't get to him because too many was around him. Hello, Rabbi. Are you the Galilean prophet? Or uh, you mean to tell me, will you do a miracle while you're here with us? How long are you going to stay in here? So forth like that. But this little woman had a blood issue for many years. And she said, he's a man of God. If I can touch the border of his garment, I'll be made well. Remember the story? And she crawled down to him and twisted around. She should get a little close. Maybe somebody pushed her back. That watch got close enough. She touched his garment. Now, the Palestinian garment hangs loose with an underneath garment. He didn't feel it that way. So, it proved it just a minute. And she touched his garment. She run back out and sat down like you are or whatever. He might have stood up. I don't know. But, however, well, Jesus stopped and said, Who touched me? Who touched me? Why, Peter rebuked him. In other words, he said, What are you talking about? Who touched me? Well, you, you, you talk like someone didn't know what they were talking about. Well, everybody's touch. He said, yes, but this is a different kind of touch. That's the kind of touch we want. See? That's the kind we want. He said, somebody touched me because I got weak. How many knows that's true? Well, it said virtue went out of him, the virtue strength. said, I got weak. And he looked at all that audience until he found the little woman and told her, said, uh, she had a blood issue and said, thy faith has saved thee. Is that right? She touched him and he caused him to turn and talk to her. Now, if he's the same tonight, a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, if you just believe with all your heart and touch him with your faith, just get away all the unbelief and the organizations and the denominations and what so-and-so said about it, just get away from all of it and say, no, I believe he's the son of God. I- I'm sick. I need him. And, and you can just touch him, then something will happen to you, just as it happened there, if you'll believe it. Will you do it? If he'll do it. 
Now, let's, I think Billy said he'd give out about a 50 or 100 prayer cards. Let's, who has prayer card number one? Let's start from number one, but well, if we go to be discernment, we'll just hold your card if we don't get to you tonight. Let's get, let's get some up here so we see what the Holy Spirit will do. But I'll count the people that cheer first. Prayer card number one. Oh, I beg your pardon. He did he should give out from 50, 50 to 100? Well, I thought he said one to 100. All right. Who has prayer card number 50 then? Raise up your hand. Number 50. All right. 50, 51, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 60. 50 to 60 stand up. And 60 to 65. All right. Let them stand up and come over here. If you can stand. If you can't stand, then the ushers will pick you up and bring you over here. Or just hold up your hand. And we'll see. Let the, a few stand, just whatever it is, and get your place down there. And then we'll... But now remember, every person holding a prayer card, if you just will continue to come, we can't get them all at once, but we'll get to you just as quick as we can. See? How many know that Daniel the prophet saw a vision, and he was troubled at his head for many days? Let's see. How many Bible readers? Sure. Well, if one vision made Daniel weak... How do you think I get by with it day in and out and night in and out and week in and out and year in and out? Because Jesus said, the things that I do shall you also and more than this. Now the King James says greater, but you get the original Aramaic translation and find out if it doesn't say more than this shall you do. In other words, he, God was in one man then. Now God's all over the world. He's in his church everywhere. Now, we know that all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in Jesus Christ. How many believe that? He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, all of the spirit that was in him would be like this lake out here, all that water. There's all the water in the world. But now, you and I have just a spoonful of water out of that lake. That's the spirit that we have in us. But the same chemicals are in the spoonful as there is in the whole lake. See? Same kind. Same nature. But it's not as much of it. Well, that's the same way it is here. Not as much of it. But the same spirit. You believe that? Now, uh, you see, he's got all the people down there. Now, tomorrow night, I want to say something here while he's getting them ready. How many remembers when I first come into the ministry, was on the West Coast, would put out my hand like that, and the people laid their hands up on it, and, and you could see it with your own hand. Uh, uh, people who had diseases, any kind of a germ. How many remembers that? Now, you same people who put up your hands, how many remembers that I told them that the angel met me and said, if you'll be sincere, get the people to believe you, it'll come to pass, you'll know the very secret of their heart. How many knows I prophesied that? See, the same groups put up their hands. All right? Now, it come to pass. He did it just the way he said. Now, there's something new taking place. It's right back in the people's lap again to pray for the sick. The other day, this last fall it was, one of the most mighty things happened. I might get into it tomorrow night before I start that ministry of praying for the sick. Of something that was outstanding, that I've never seen anything like it in my life. But he called back for me to pray for the sick. If you get the message... The discernment. Now, visions are not just something that you lay hands on one another. How many know the gifts and callings are without repentance? Sure. It's not something you get a hold of. When you're born in this world, you're born with them gifts. How many know that? Sure you are. Moses, he couldn't help being Moses, could he? Jesus couldn't help being Jesus. John the Baptist, 712 years before he was born, Isaiah saw him, the prophet, saying that he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. 
God told Jeremiah, before you was ever formed in your mother's womb, I knowed you and sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. That's right. See? It's something you're born with. Now, visions to me, the first thing I can remember, I wasn't two years old, I guess, when I saw my first vision. And there's been tens of thousands of them, and not one of them has ever been wrong. See? All over the world, everywhere. That's only a vindication of I'm telling the truth. It's God's witness that it's the truth. Jesus is coming. I don't, we don't, now we know that Jesus is coming in a day that when the world is gone to sleep and got lukewarm. How many know that? How many knows that this is the lady of sin church age? Lukewarm, just people just, well, they go to church and say, I've gone to the church. That's about it. But that's the time he comes. Wake up. What are these things to do? Now, I don't say that he will do it. Remember, I do not control visions. Visions control me. Now, these newcomers there's never been to a meeting before. Now, I want to ask you something, my people. Before anything takes place, whether it does or not, I do not know. But if it does take place, just as the Scripture says here, will you believe on him and believe him for your healing? Raise up your hand and say, God, like this, I, I will believe. God bless you. Now, these people, in, how many out in this audience first now that doesn't have a prayer card? And if you want God to heal you, raise up your hand. Doesn't have a prayer card, you want God to heal you. All right? Just have faith. That's all you have to do. Have faith, believe. You look up here to this state. Lord, that man doesn't know me. But let me just have faith enough to touch your garment. And then you try to have that man, let the Spirit, I know it couldn't be his Spirit because he don't know me. But let your Holy Spirit in there. If he's telling me the truth, turn around and say to me like he did the woman. That touched his garment. See what takes place. Just try it. Don't try it. Just do it. Now, many here, how many of you are prayer line that I don't know nothing about you? Raise up your hand. Do you people know what I don't know? You raise up your hand. Oh, everyone? Alright. And out there, so I don't know you. Now, I've got some friends here. I see Brother and Sister Palmer sitting here from Georgia. And then back in there somewhere is Brother Fred Stockman and Brother Norman. And um, from Arizona, I know they're here. And they're here somewhere to me. I don't see them, but they're in there. And now, um, all these are... And this woman, we're strangers to one another, are we, ladies? We are strangers to one another? We are. Well, you were here in the meeting when I was here before. But for me to know you, I wouldn't know. All right? How many of you never did see when I put my hand on the people and see the reaction on the hand? Let's see your hand. All right, we just take a couple like that. Come here a minute. Now, I do not know. You have never seen in my life. As far as I know, I, probably since I was here, I've seen a million people since then. But now, if I want you to take your hand out. If it's anything like an affliction, like some blood chemical disease or a crippled or arthritis or something, that is not a germ. See, it'll take a germ. Some other life. How many knows that we come from a germ? One single cell. Certain. We come from our fathers. The hemoglobin is from the male sex. The female is the egg. But that little germ in your life, your body is made up of germs, but it came originally from one germ from your father. Is that right? A different type of germ that makes around that. That's why Christ was God. When God brought himself in a cell in the womb of Mary and was born out to save us from sin, through that blood cell being broke, saves the world. Now, 
If it's just an affliction, they'll have to be seen some other way. Well, let's see if it's a germ disease. If it will, see, there'd be a germ of death on her to kill her. And it would vibrate if I have the anointing of the Holy Spirit here with me. Yes, sir. Your stomach trouble. Try this and raise your hand if that's right. Here it is. She's got an ulcerative stomach. You see, well, I want to show you something. I want you to look at my hand here. See how the hand looks swollen and the little white things bouncing on it there running over? Now take your other hand over here so that you'll see. Turn this hand over. Now it isn't there. Just normal, white, not swollen. Just an ordinary man's hand, isn't it? All right, I put your other hand right over on it. Now look at it. See the difference of it? That swell, see the little white things running over? That's how I knew you. It's a vibration. The journey, see? Now, I see, it's just not where I'm holding my hand. You see wherever they are. Now, who was it said they'd never seen that? Was it you, Brother Borders? You seen it? Somebody told me if they'd never seen it one or two. And, uh, all right, come here, brother. How many knows this gentleman here? Raise up your hand. I guess you all reason this city here. I want you to watch here, brother. Here's how I know that. Now, look here. You've ever, never seen this ministry work. All right. Now, the other night, I can't wear a wrist watch on here. I had a $200 on jeans given to me from the Lincolns down here. Fell apart on, my, on the pulpit. And the other night, I had a $300 ball team cricket was given to me from over there. And up there in the meeting the other night, how many was there? The other afternoon. And I up here, Plymouth Falls, and a $300 ball team cricket fell loose in my hand. Hands come off of it, skin come out of it, fell off of it, just for taking a person's hand like that. Well, I can't tell you. I don't know, but you cannot hold a watch on that. Now look, won't you look at my hand? See? See? Take her hand, just right hand, her, see. I mean, her left hand, just the same. Now watch my touch this hand here. There's the thing. See it swell? See them little white things bouncing on it? Mm-hmm. Now, see? Now, what, what was it take her right hand? That's what he told me. Their right hand to your left. That's her with her right hand pledging her face to me, right? And I take her by the left hand with my other hand to God. See? That won't work any other way. Now, you can see it. Look here. Uh, okay. See, I put my hand on her hand. See? Down. Where it is. It's just the same. Okay. Now, just take this hand over here. Now, watch what happens. Just see, take her hand. There it is. See that palm is up? Mm-hmm. It's just like taking that much, like, hurt in your hand. Those little white things, see? Now, just keep real still. Now, it tells what it is, see? Now, that's detecting it. Now, will it go? Now, sister, you're, you believe now. You really believe it. All right? Now, I want everyone to be reverent. Now, I want you to bow your head. Now, I want these, these two men here to stand here where I'm at. Now, I want you to notice, brother. See? So that you'll see, it's not position where I hold my hand, see? That makes them white things run over. It makes it turn it, see? Now, you see it clearly, do you, sister? You can see it all right there, what I'm talking about. See how it swells up, gets what? And it gets real little white things. And see, and to prove to you there's something going on, it knows what's wrong with you. That's the directly the truth. See? I see that. I watch, watch here. I'll put my hand on mine, see? Bless the Lord. There it comes. See, see, she touches me there. It starts. Now, I'll, I know you're both Christians. Now, remember, when these things come out, I'm going to try to rebuke it. See? And if they come out by the Bible, say, when, the, when one fellow one time tried to cast out a devil, and you know what happens. 
So now, if it comes out, it's going to be at large. You'll be doing any, you'll go to anyone. And it's stomach trouble. Now, I want you to audience to, to keep your head down. And here's three witnesses standing here. Now, I don't want you. You come on up here. See, sometimes it strikes an unbeliever. See, then kickback comes from the meeting to me. See. But I, I know you all have come to you. All right. Now, you watch. I'm just studying my hand right here. See. Now, you watch and you watch too, lady, the hand. Now, we're going to pray. Everybody be in prayer with me. Now, they're going to watch. Now, I don't. Jesus said in my name, they shall cast out devils. Well, now, if that stops, right now, you ever need my hand. This stops and turns like that hand. All right. If it doesn't, then I can help it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, that thy name might be glorified. We do not ask for miracles, but Lord, these ministries are going on. Jesus is soon coming. I pray that you'll be merciful to our sister, Emma Hill. Here she is in age, and she can't eat. Lord, this is such a horrible thing. And the last time here, you healed a woman dying, and with the same thing, only worse. Now, Father, I pray that you'll bless her and heal her in Jesus' name. Now, it, now, I haven't opened my eyes yet, but brother, tell me, it's still there just like it was. Is that right? It hasn't left. It hasn't left. Now, we'll have to come with the thought to cast it out. Now, we're not asking, Father, you all understand, I'm not asking, Father, for a miracle, because it's a wicked and indulgent generation seeks for miracles, but that you might know that he's still a healer. Now, let's look again. Now, let's be real. Real, you're... In prayer, each one of you, be covered by the book. Our Heavenly Father, these men are looking on. This woman's looking on as a witness. I pray for the woman. No doubt she's been prayed for many times. But, Father God, if there's anything in her life that's not right, then, Father, you take it away. Now, if there's anything would keep or would keep this spirit, if you should make it go, if it should come back, because we know it'll go and walk in dry places and come back again, if it can. But if she surely sees all of this truth and evidence, she'll believe with all of her heart. I pray you to be merciful. While this people is looking, their eyes of two men and a woman is looking directly at my hand while my eyes are closed. Satan, thy unclean spirit that would take a poor old woman like this and evilly mistreat her, why, you're evil. You have no authority to hold her. She's a Christian. I come in the name of Jesus Christ against you. I come witnessing a gift of divine healing to pray for the sick, which an angel ministered to me 14 years ago and told me about a gift coming. You're aware of this. I adjure thee by the living God. Come out of the woman. Leave her. Go from her. Let it bother her no more. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now, brother, I've never moved my hand, but it's gone now, isn't it? Is it gone before open eyes? All right, you may raise your hand. Put this hand here. See how it looks? Now, see how it looks? Just the same as it. See, that's exactly it. Now, something happened, wasn't it? Your stomach trouble is gone. You're free. Go home and rejoice. Be happy and thank the dear Lord for your healing. All right. God bless you. All right. You believe with all your heart? Now, let's see about this sister here. 
Are we strangers to one another? We are. All right. Now everybody reverent. We just take the time so that you'll have confidence when it comes time for you to be prayed for. Like these people in the Bible life. They had confidence. Jesus said, if I do the works of God, then believe the works. Now, let me have your hand. Now you have a little bit of ladies' trouble, but that's not really what you thought. See, just a moment. Now this will have to come by vision. Yes, it's a diabetes. Sugar diabetes. That's right, raise up your hand. See, it wouldn't show you. She has a little female trouble, but not enough for that because she wouldn't hardly notice that too much. But it's a diabetes. Now, see, there is another show called, that's a chemical part. Diabetes, you see, is, is chemical. It's sugar in the blood. Now, if Lord Jesus can stand here and tell me what's wrong with you, just as he could tell the woman at the well or so, is it the same Jesus? Oh, yeah. You believe it. Now, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come in the name of the Lord Jesus and ask that this evil thing leave our sister. May she go and be free from this and be well. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Our prayer, they shall save the sick. God shall raise them up. Go now. God be with you. Here. What's that? Oh, sure, that's what's causing you, see. And God bless you, sister. All right? Come, young lady. Are we strangers to one another? All right. Now, let's see your hand, this hand over here on this side. Your... Normal? Mm-hmm. I'd have to take a vision for her, too. Now, otherwise, my early ministry, how many knows my early ministry? I never was met as a woman. See? Because there's no vibration here. Now, let's just see a minute. You believe me to be his prophet? You believe what I've taught tonight to be the truth? I'm his servant. Yes. Heart trouble. Now, you believe that God can heal that heart trouble? You do believe that. And he'll make the heart well. You're just a young girl. Nervous. Now, if he'll heal it, will you give him praise for it? Let's bow our head just a moment. Our Heavenly Father, we ask now that in the name of Jesus Christ that the power of God will come upon this young woman. And may she be healed as I lay my hands upon her. The people... Does the audience free that? All right. If that Jesus live and I'm a true witness of him, then I, can, I yield myself by a gift. Now, if you say, heal me. Why, he'd say, I've already done it. I may believe he's already done it back there at Calvary when he died for you. He was wounded for me, sure. But now, to let you know that he's alive here to confirm his work, he might tell you something like he did Peter or some of that. He'd tell you something about it. God will tell me what your trouble is. Now, let's just see if he will do it. You just believe me as God's servant. All right. He says he knows you will. Sure. It's your nose. That's right. That's your nose. Now, that's right. Raise your hand. Now, someone says, nah, I caught that. Don't think that now. Don't do that. Now, I never guessed that. That wasn't guessing. No. Just a minute. He seems to be a very fine man. Stand still this minute. Stand still, sir. Yes, sir? It's his nose. He has some kind of a little something comes in. He's been operated on for it. That's right. Yes, sir. It's operated on. And it seems like the stuff's coming back again. It's some kind of like uh, gross or abscess is like in the nose. That's right. Seems like it isn't doing good. That's right, isn't it? That's not a guess. Let me tell you something. I see a woman up here. It's your wife. 
She's at home. Yes. You believe that she's free. She's sick. You believe God can reveal to me what her trouble is? She's got heart trouble and arthritis. That's thus saith the Lord. You believe God can tell me who you are? Mr. Bob, you go home and be well. Jesus Christ makes you well. Believe it. Strangers to one another, sister? You've been, no, I mean, I, I don't, I, you never met me personally. I've never met you. But if the Lord Jesus, here's a woman. If the Lord Jesus can tell me something about you, like a man and woman like him and the woman at the well. That was the man. Not like the woman at the well. If he can tell me something about you that you know what I don't know. What you're here for. Might be for somebody else. Might be financial trouble. Might be domestic trouble. Might be your sick. I don't know. But if he'll tell me. Will you believe him with all your heart? Will every woman in here believe with all their heart? All right. Lord grant it. That lady sitting right there with Viracois veins. You believe Jesus Christ make you well? You were spraying, wasn't you? <laughs> what did she touch? She touched the high priest, Jesus Christ. I've seen a woman stand here before me with something like almost blood running from veins. It wasn't this woman. She was a little heavier than this woman. Now, look, I thought, where's that? I look, I've seen that light. How many have seen the picture of that light? He was standing over the woman there, whirling around. I've seen her. That was her trouble. Yes, sir. If thou will believe. Sitting there with your handkerchief in your hand is that hay fever. Do you believe that God will make you well, too? <laughs> All right. What did you touch? <laughs> now, that's not a disease. I see a burden, overheart, sneezing going on, see? Just have faith. You'll get well, too. You believe him with all your heart? You have a tumor in the back. You believe that God can heal you? Is that right? You believe that God can take it all? Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless the woman and make her well as I bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, the Lord bless you. Spirit's still in the building. Say here with the hemorrhoids. You think that God will make you well? He was crying, praying, Lord, let him touch. Let him call me. If that's right, wave your hand back and forth like this. You sitting there. See? How would I know what you're praying about? Don't you understand that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead? What did she touch? The same high priest that that little woman touched that had the, the blood issue. I don't know the woman. Never seen her in my life. But she's sitting 20 yards from me. And she touched him. He turned around and said, look there. I see his light over there. I see what she's suffering with. And there it is. The woman will get well. She'll be all right. If you'll just believe. Now, any of you, I challenge your faith in Christ. Name any word to believe it. All right? You're not strangers to each other. I guess it's our first meeting time. I just reverent. Just a moment. If the Lord Jesus will reveal to me something about you that you know that I do not know, will it make you believe for what you... Will it do the audience that way too? It's arthritis. You have arthritis. That's right. Raise your hand. Now, it might take the guesswork from you. You got something on your mind that's just bothering you real, real bad. Now, if the Lord will reveal that to me, do you believe me with all your heart? It's your husband. He's not here. He's not even in this city. He's in another city called Ukiah or something like that. 
He's got a disease that's a killer. It's called Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease. That's right. You got somebody with you tonight, too, that you won't pray for. It's a little grandson. He's got eye trouble. Your name is Mr. Sigler. All right, go and believe with all your heart and you have what you ask for. If thou canst believe. Uh, are you believing out of all your heart? Now look, that you might know, just, I'll have this lady. Just put your hand on mine, this lady. You. If the Lord will reveal to me what's your trouble, you believe me? Then your heart trouble's finished. Go believe. Be made well. Have faith in God. Believe with all your heart. Watch this. You believe your arthritis is going to leave you? All right, all right, go on on your own. Say, thank you, dear Jesus. Yes, ma'am. Just leave with all your heart. What if I didn't say a thing to you? Just lay hands on you. Would you think you'd get well? In the name of Jesus Christ, go and be well. Amen. Have faith in You're nervous, but you believe that God can heal you and make you well? Just go and me. He has. He'll make you well. You believe that back out, he'll come up the steps? Just keep on going. Say, thank the Lord and get well. How many out there believe with all your heart? Are you sure that Jesus still lives? Now, are you positive? Do you know? Here's my Bible over my heart. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe it? I read it out of the Bible here that He does it. He promised it. He did it yesterday. He does it today. Now, as far as healing, your healing is already purchased in the blood. Do you believe that? He was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes we were healed, past him. But he's confirming his word by being here to let you know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you all believe that with all your heart? Now, how many believers does here raise up your hand? Now, if God keeps one word, he keeps all words. Is that right? Now, did he say this? These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. How many believe that? All right. Then you all. Believers, now lay your hands over on one another. Just put your hands on one another. That's right. There you are. That's the way it goes. That takes place. Don't you know he's here? Put your hands on one another. These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. These signs shall follow who? The believers. In the name of Jesus Christ, on which the Holy Ghost is here now, giving witness, pouring out His presence, letting everyone know that He's present, that He is not dead, that He lives forevermore, and He's able to suffer those that come to Him, to give them healing. The audience is aware that there is a supernatural being in their midst tonight, the Holy Spirit that's revealing the secret of the heart, that the coming of the Lord Jesus is at hand. These believers have put their hands on one another. They believe. Father God, you witness that you're here. Hear me, Lord. I'll cast out every spirit of unbelief. Let it leave this building. Let it come away from the people. The only thing that can keep them from being healed. Satan, you've lost the battle. You've been exposed. You're exposed here tonight. I adjure thee in the name of Jesus, the Son of God. Come out of this audience. Come out of the people as they have their hands on one another. I give them their healing in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Keep your hands on one another. Keep believing. Having faith. And if the power of God comes up on you, then stand to your feet and give God praise. All right. 
Let's all stand up and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's lift your hands up to the Lord and praise Him. Thank Him for you. Amen. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we give thee thanks for the moving of your spirit here tonight. Blessed be your name. We thank you, Lord, for the healing of these thy children. 